Hi, and welcome to Finding Drishti Podcast. I'm Terry Cohen, a yoga teacher out of Austin, Texas. New this season as a visual supplement to the instruction in the podcast are videos on my YouTube channel. Search Finding Drishti on YouTube and subscribe for the latest videos. Take a seat and listen in. I am poolside at my mom's house and it's just like a nice change of pace, um, nice to be in a different scene than just within the four walls of our house <clears throat> and making use of our garage and our front yard and our backyard. Um, but this week has felt very heavy, I think for many, many people. Hopefully everyone's feeling a little heavy. I, I don't know how anyone can be aware of the news and not feel um, not feel uh, like the weight of what's happening in our country is uh, something that can be just kind of ignored. And I know that for, for people who are in a place of privilege, and I am also one of them because I'm, my husband is white and uh, Asians have been kind of pocketed as not being dark enough to be of any kind of real threat, I don't... Um, I don't experience the same kinds of racism. Um, we got a special set of <laughs> racist things that we deal with, but I am definitely hurting on the inside with um, our black and, and brown brothers and sisters. And it's been a big learning curve for, for everybody. Um, but I was thinking about how uh, I just took my kids on a walk where here in my hometown where I grew up and we, we still have my childhood home is still across the street from my high school and you know one more block over is my elementary school and I took my kids for a walk this morning just around the old stomping grounds and I remember very clearly fifth and sixth grade on the playground um, one of my really close friends uh, e, she uh, she was like one of two black girls in our entire grade, and there were maybe two, yeah, two, like only two black boys in our our grade, and so um, it was majority white, and we were one of the handful of people of color in our grade, and we had conversations when we were 10, 11, 12 years old about how we could already feel those kind of uh, racial divides and how we feel different from our classmates. And I remember feeling like, you know, around fourth, fifth, sixth grade is when like start to have like little boyfriends and girlfriends and, and talk about crushes and whatnot. And I remember having this conversation with my friend E about how why are all our friends trying to be like, hey, do you have a crush on so-and-so? And of course, like to me, it was about the only Asian boys that were in our grade. And to her, it was to the only black kids in our grade. And we're like, why do you assume that we are the only ones who can belong, right? Um, and so funny enough, you know, so many of um, my friends, we haven't, we haven't like stayed in our little racial circle. We've been able to have friendships and relationships with people of, of anything. It's, it's really on how you relate to people. And so it starts really young. And that's something that I wanna work with with my kids is to keep this conversation going. I mean, they are obviously multiracial and they already see um, cultural differences, which I think is great. I think we cannot 
absolutely cannot say, um, oh, I don't see color. I want you to see my color. I want you to see that I am different, and I want to see the differences in you because what makes life exciting are our differences, right? <laughs> so my husband grew up down in the valley um, in South Texas, and so being so close to the border of Mexico, uh, eating Mexican food is like the norm down there, and he knows good Mexican food, you know? It's like when you grow up in a culture and you have the experiences of that culture, you, you become almost an expert in it. You have a much finely tuned um, sensitivity to what is actually genuine, what tastes good, you know, what is real. And same for me, growing up in the Dallas area, we did have a strong um, Taiwanese and Chinese population here. So I know good Chinese food for, for the flavors that I like, that I grew up with, which is much more of a Taiwanese flavor um, rather than like the Sichuan, like, spicy Chinese. And so when, um, sadly, when I'm in Austin, I don't get good Chinese food. I don't get good Taiwanese food. There's like a, like two places that I'll go to as kind of like my go-to places that I really love. And they're not near South Austin. I have to drive to North Austin to get to it. So being able to see each other's differences is not um, something that is dangerous in any way, shape, or form. It's how we react to people's differences. When we say that we want to make sure that we are feeling much more connected in our country, it's not about saying, I see you as black, I see you as white, I see you as brown, and those are the only things that I see about you. I want to see what your culture has to offer, your upbringing, you know, the values that you had growing up. And that is what makes life so much more enjoyable. I think about how in other countries, you know, they, they think of Americans as cool. And um, sorry, white people, but you, you guys aren't making the country cool, okay? Um, Hip-hop culture has made America cool, right? Um, our artistic, uh, these big artistic populations that are doing things that are so out of the box, that are not very much just like traditional, you know, it's our contemporary artists, it's our you know, hip-hop artists, it's people doing like really cool graffiti work. Um, and the thing about our culture that is so neat is that we can take all of these bits and pieces from all the different groups that are making up America and we mix them together. And so we get these fusion kind of flavors and we get these fusion um, kind of, uh, you know, just like new things that come up. And this is how we continue to innovate is that we take the different parts of our society and we mix them together. And when we can combine them, new things come out. So I want to talk about this in terms of yoga because um, I'm seeing on some different yoga teacher groups, they're like, uh, love and light, you know, we just need to be peaceful. And there's a pocket of that. There's also a pocket that are staying very, very silent. And I, I think they're, they may be just feeling kind of handcuffed, like, oh, I don't know what I should say. Um, but even within yoga, the cultural appropriation of this practice, this practice that came from India and from Asia, um, are, are being whitewashed. And I'm very sensitive to that, that when I am presenting what I have learned of yoga, I don't ever assume that, like, this is mine, that I've created it or whatever. I always try to give homage back to the origins. 
And if there is something that I don't understand, I'm still learning some bits of like what the Sanskrit means and really diving a little deeper into the philosophical concepts. Um, I have to be aware of where I am lacking or where I am short on my own understanding. And I will never try to take ownership of things that I have not taken the time to research. And when we can put it in those terms, the things that we share back out don't become, I'm stealing it and trying to reuse it. I'm trying to learn it and understand it. And if there's benefit in there, sharing what the benefit is without losing where it came from. So for today's meditation, I really want to make sure that we are focusing on connection and being able to absorb all of these different influences that we have. And it's good. It's, it's good that we are taking these influences and bringing it as part of our practice, whether it's a meditation practice or in how we practice, how we <laughs> interact with our fellow humans. But to take the time to sit in our own discomfort about it, to be okay with not knowing, as long as our not knowing leads us to want to know or to want to learn, and that we never lose the connection that we have with other people because of differences. We want to learn from each other. This is the only way that we can progress as a society. It's the only way that we can progress in our, um, in our meditation practice and in our yoga practice and how we then also relate with ourselves. Because there's a lot inside of us that maybe we don't know that we still have a lot of learning to do. All right, so let's take a comfortable cross-legged seat. Um, you can come to kneeling if you prefer. Let's take a couple rolls of the shoulders first. I'm just starting to move them around. And you're going to drop those shoulder blades down. Relax your elbows. Relax the hands, whether they're resting on the thighs or on the knees. Close your eyes. You're going to take a deep breath in through your nose. Open the mouth. Exhale. Let's do another one. Big breath in. Open and release. Good. Seal the lips here. We're going to let the breath move through the body in and out of the nose. You can keep the belly soft. So we're not trying to engage Uddiyanda Bandha here. We want the belly, the sides, the ribs, everything to be free-flowing with the breath. Start to notice sensation here, whatever you're seated against. Notice sensation on the surface of your skin. Maybe you have a fan on, or if you're outdoors, you can feel the breeze or the sun. And I want you to bring to mind whatever feelings you've been having about what we're experiencing, um, seeing the, uh, the protests, seeing the stories of the black and brown men and women who have been, their lives have been taken from them, their families are affected. What was that gut reaction that you had? Where does your mind go first? And I think sometimes if we're not, um, we haven't really gotten to that understanding yet of 
why. Why are these things happening? We're looking at just the reaction. So you might see a lot of the news kind of focusing more on you know, the violence end of the protest, the looting and the, you know, the destruction of property. But they haven't really covered the why. Why are people gathering? Why are people even protesting in the first place? And I will admit that I, I saw the looting and the fires and I thought, oh man, come on, come on y'all, let's, let's just have like a peaceful protest and keep this, keep this peaceful. And then when I look at the coverage and especially of my friends who have been going out to the protests, that those are peaceful. They are gathering with signs and with masks on and they're, they're wanting to make their voices heard and they are peacefully gathering in front of police headquarters and in front of the Capitol. And I have participated in a few protests <laughs> more in the last four years than ever, than ever in my life. And every protest and gathering and rally that we have been to has been peaceful, it's been organized so that it was safe to take my kids, you know, where we were protesting for women's rights and for education and for gun safety. Um, and even that gun safety one, it, it, there were, there were Infowars people who were instigating, they were walking around with big guns and I had my kids there with me. I wanted my kids to see that we can be safe in how we gather. And there's always a few bad seeds that we can't, um, we can't equate to the larger gathering. And I was trying to explain to my mom because she's, she, you know, she's getting news basically from her circle of friends and um, my, my friend Y had uh, posted also about facing racism within our own race and for sure I think within the Asian population um, we have some racist tendencies that go generations back that also need to be addressed but my mom was asking why is there so much destruction she was she's worried about the safety of the businesses and the people who live downtown who are being affected. And I said, mom, they, um, these people are angry for a reason. And, and I can't, uh, I'm not gonna justify the violence. I don't know exactly for sure who's causing the violence, but the people who are protesting are angry because this has been going on forever, forever. And it only seems like it's happening more now because we have cell phones. <laughs> you know, we have cameras on all of our devices and it's so much easier to capture and share. Whereas before the days of smartphones, um, it was only captured by journalists. Right? Journalists can't be everywhere. So now everyone's become a little journalist of their own and they have your own platform that you can share. So it only seems like it's ramped up now, but this has been going on forever. And it's been silenced for too long. So the gut reaction that you have, explore that. Are you focusing on just the looting, the violence? 
the destruction of property? Can you take it a few steps back and try to explore the why? And then explore your own feelings and see if they resonate with what's happening. I think for most of us who live um, with the privilege of being able to walk, go for a walk without having the police called on you, that you're able to be in your own home <laughs> without the threat of um, being shot in your own bed. Like we have to be the ones to do the most digging. And then we have to take what comes out of that exploration of why we're having these feelings and we have to learn from them. And then what you learn, you need to teach. We need to call it out. And so many times racism in the form of jokes. And I know in the last few years I've, I've called things out like, dude, that's racist. It's not cool. You should know better. So let's start there instead of running away. We want to lean into our own discomfort. We have to lean into our own not knowing, even if it makes you feel kind of icky inside. And as you explore from there, identify where you still need maybe more research, more help, and then go seek it. We have the internet. It's very easy to find information. It's very easy to find a book at your library and borrow it in an electric form, electronic form, I should say, you know, putting it in an audio book and you can listen to it from your phone. so easy these days. It's a matter of taking the steps. Stay here for about three more breaths. Two more. And one more inhale. We'll blink the eyes open. This is hard stuff. This is hard stuff. It's not meant to be easy. You know, meditation alone is not easy. Um, for sure, dealing with um, these generational things, uh, systemic things, and trying to identify where do we fit in there and how do we help those who have been systematically put in a different level is not easy. And it takes action. And you have to start somewhere. You have to take a first step. I mean, I've, I shared um, that the reason I became so active in doing voter registration, voter education, is because that felt like a starting place for me. That this was a place where we could just get people involved. Now, if you don't feel comfortable going to a protest, that's okay, too. Um, 
call your legislators. I have never called my legislators until Trump was <laughs> elected. We have to make noise. We cannot be silent. And I hope that when you do your own work internally, when you start to identify where those spaces are for you that need more work, that need more learning, that you are not scared to do the learning, that you are not scared to do the work. And then we lean on the people in our lives who can help guide you. I have some great friends who are very active as well. They're lawyers and they are activists and they are involved. And when I'm feeling stuck and I'd say, how do I help? I'm feeling helpless. Point me in a direction if you can. What are you doing? Can I come to a meeting with you? Can I come help you? And we start to build our network that way to strengthen um, this activism that needs to happen. It's, it's no longer acceptable to be passive and to let uh, life go by without participating in it. Thank you for listening to Finding Drishti Podcasts. Support this podcast with a donation via Venmo to Terry-Cohen, that's spelled T-E-R-R-I-K-O-E-N, and telling your friends and family. You can find my live online teaching schedule at findingdrishti.com.